Hey everyone, I'm Janine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Amy Kaufman. She's a Los Angeles Times reporter who recently made headlines for breaking the sexual assault allegation against James Franco, Brett Radner, and Russell Simmons. And she's providing the first definitive, unauthorized, behind-the-scenes look at ABC's The Bachelor and its spinoffs, Bachelor Nation, inside the world of America's favorite guilty pleasure. Through dozens of interviews with former cast members and producers, relationship experts and sociologists, and celebrity fans, including vocal feminists Amy Schumer, Diablo Cody, and Allison Williams, Kaufman gets to the bottom of how the show is made and why. Despite the lack of successful relationships, the clear facade of fantasy the show embraces, and the negative reinforcement of gender roles, women and men alike can't stop watching. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Amy Kaufman. Hi. So before we get into this book, which uh, was so great to review, Bachelor Nation, Inside the World of America's Favorite Guilty Pleasure, how did you find yourself, uh, you know, involved with the show? Well, I've just been a fan of the show, really, since it started back in 2002. And for the LA Times, where I work, I would recap um, each episode, and as a result of that, I sort of started going to different tapings for the show, you know, like the Women Tell All reunions and interviewing contestants and Chris Harrison and just got deeper and deeper into the world of Bachelor Nation and sort of wanted to explore why I was so obsessed with it and why so many of my friends were, too. And so why do you think so many people are obsessed? I know I have teenage girls and all of a sudden they're like hooked watching everything. Oh, really? They love it? They love it. What do they tell you about why they like it? Well, I'll tell you something. It actually opens up a conversation b- between us because we talk about how realistically, you know, I don't want them like meeting somebody and thinking this is the guy within a short amount of time. And they find it, you know, humorous and they find the different uh, personalities interesting. Um, but it, it really opens up a conversation of how they see themselves growing up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it does. It, I think it helps as to why, you know, people, uh, the question of why people are, are so into watching it, I think yes. exactly what you're sort of talking about. It's like a reflection, albeit a very dramatic and exaggerated reflection of the dating world. And it offers us a point of comparison um, in which we have, you know, at least some experience uh, because we've all fallen in love or dated or had crushes or been married. Um, and that's different than other reality shows like Survivor, where we don't know how to build a fire or top chef where we don't know how to cook a gourmet meal, but on bachelor um, watching, we are all judge and jury. Right. So let's talk about the whole, what's the casting and auditioning process like for this show? I mean, it's pretty involved. Um, If you get to the final round, you have to fly out to LA and, you know, sit for a bunch of interviews. You have to take a 150 question personality test. You have to sit for interviews with producers. You have to talk to a psychologist. Um, A PI looks into your background to see if you have any criminal charges on your record. And then you have to um, do blood and urine tests to see if you have any sexually transmitted diseases. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be like that, obviously. Right. Yeah. They got, you know, there's a lot of liability for the people they cast. And so they need to make sure you're, you know, healthy, both physically and emotionally. The one thing that we were talking about is that you know, you see these women and they're falling for some guy and they think that what the guy is saying to them is only being said to them, but it might be, might be said to another woman. You know, I love you, you're the most this, that, and whatever. 
I mean, you must see a lot of breakdowns on the show. Yeah, you know, especially after this season where, you know, Ari the Bachelor said, I love you to two women. I can't imagine that going forward, right. the you know, the contestants wouldn't be especially paranoid with anything they're being told at the end. Like, okay, that's great, but did you just say that to another woman as well? I mean, how can you ever feel really confident in your feelings knowing, you know, you're just trying to ignore the other relationships that are going on, but it's increasingly more difficult to do that. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I talked about with my daughters is it becomes a trust issue, as you said. Like, how can you move forward and, you know, and believe somebody else in your next relationship or the next person you meet you think you like? Right. Yeah. Especially, you know, I, the, the Lauren, who just ended up with, with Ari, um, mm-hmm. I was surprised that she didn't want to watch him sort of dump Becca, his ex-fiance, because don't you want to know what you're... Yes. Beyonce is capable of, you know, if you're, if you're going to fully trust him, the whole thing is nuts. Exactly. I love how you incorporated, like, opinions from, like, Diablo Cody, you know, Amy Schumer. How did that come about? Well, you know, I know there's so many celebrity fans of the show out there. I would see them on, you know, late night shows sort of talking about how their guilty pleasure was The Bachelor, just like us. And so um, I thought it would be fun to include their perspectives and, not surprisingly, so many of us, so many of them shared the same sentiments about the show that I think many fans um, have, which are that, you know, like Amy Schumer was saying, this is the number one thing she looks forward to every week and that she also feels like it's the most effed up thing she watches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I have to be honest, like recently when I found out my 15-year-old daughter was watching, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, am I a good mom? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Well, my other daughter's 18, and I'm like, what did you do to her? <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're right. It could be sort of a teaching moment in a way, I think. Some parents do exactly. use it that way. That's what we're doing, you know? And then, of course, I walk in, and I'm like, oh, wait, we're watching this? <laughs> um, so tell me about the Tustin Estate in Malibu, uh, what that is like, because it is like a bubble. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, the, so the mansion where they film, it's actually in Agora Hills, which is it's sort of near where the Kardashians live in California. Mm-hmm. And it's owned by a guy who uh, lives there with his family when they're not filming. And so when The Bachelor comes in, uh, the production the, kicks the family out and they take out all their furniture and the family goes to live in a hotel nearby. And for a few weeks, they, they sort of take over the property. And now at this point, it's become very ingrained with um, the show in viewers' minds, you know, like that ma- that that big watery driveway, it's all shiny when they roll up with the limos and Chris Harrison standing there, it's like integral to the show at this point. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting, it reminds me of high school, how there's like different categories of different people, like you've got the villain role and the virgin and the party girl, and so that's all brought about, a producer basically manipulates all that? I mean, you know, manipulates is like an interesting choice of word. But yeah, I mean, going into the season, definitely, I think um, the producers have figured out who is going to play what role. Sure. I mean, how it uh, how it unfolds and who ends up being like a more prominent player always is in, in, in flux. But yeah. but yeah, you know, you can tell like, oh, this woman has a tragic backstory or this is a girl who's willing to say like really over the top stuff. And um, thankfully, in a season like Ari's, where he was not exactly bringing the flavor, we had some um, exciting women and personalities to watch um, to make it intriguing. It's so interesting. One time I turned down the volume and I watched the 
um, behavior without listening to what they were saying. And you actually could cut, tell when somebody's coming on strong without even hearing what's coming out of their mouth. Really? Just from their, like, facial expressions? Their facial expressions, their body language, you know, just, just how they act. You know, you could kind of tell if you just observe their body language. Yeah. Yeah, it's really That's so interesting. I should try that experiment. You should. You can kind of tell, you know, the way somebody comes on, their their eye contact, their behavior. So um, we've had a lot of fun with it. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the editing technique called Frankenbiting? Frankenbiting is when they take a soundbite that has one meaning and then they edit it to alter alter that meaning. And so obviously it comes from the word like Frankenstein, Frankenstein where it's like all mashed together. Um, and so an example of that would be if you said, if I said, you know, um, I can see myself falling in love with Ari, they would change that to make it, um, I can't see myself falling in love with Ari because they would just, you know, sub in the word can't from some other sound clip I had used, I had given in an interview throughout the season. Mm -hmm. And the way that we as viewers can't tell that that's happening is because they don't show my mouth moving during that clip. They'll use B-roll of... You know, a you know a date or yeah. a far away shot or something um, to make it seem like I was saying something when maybe I really wasn't. That is so interesting. So it's like, yeah, you know, you don't know what to expect as a contestant. What's going to be edited and not used and whatever. Exactly. Yeah. People think you know, I'll go on the show. I just won't get really drunk and I won't say anything too out there and I'll be fine. But you you truly cannot control the way you're going to come across on this thing. Unbelievable. What have been some surprises for you for the, on this show? I think, you know, just writing the book, I, I really got a better understanding of why people say things that were baffling to me as a viewer. Like, why would someone say I love you after four seconds? Yes. Or why would they agree to get engaged so quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, just getting a better sense of sort of the bubble they're in. And that's what they call it, the bubble, because you don't have access to the Internet or a phone or the news or books or music. Um, you have an open bar at your disposal, and then everyone around you is, all the other contestants are talking about how great this guy is, and then the producers are in your ear talking about how great this guy is, and so you're just not behaving like you would in the outside world. And and I sort of, I guess, had more sympathy in a way for the contestants after that because I realized, like, yeah, if I was there, I would act crazy too. Right, exactly. (laughs) So tell me about all these extravagant dates. You know, you got helicopter rides and... I mean, who pays for all this? How does that work? Yeah, that was super surprising for me to find out that they actually pretty much have zero dollars as a budget on the show for the date. Um, yeah, they so the mandate is like try to get as much stuff for free as you can. Um, and so that's why we see sometimes, you know, those huge hotel logos um, when The Bachelor pulls into an exotic location or we hear The Bachelor say, you know, I'm here at exotic resort number five, you know, just so they can get sort of that ad time because in exchange for that um, places offer up not only like, you know, free accommodations, but travel to that location for not only the cast, but the crew, um, food uh, activities are comped, you know, they're offering up a lot because they want that exposure, that um, ad time on a a national um, network television show. Now, could you tell listeners a little bit about your reporting for the LA Times? Because I know, you know, you've reported on sexual assault allegations as well. Yeah, so at the LA Times in recent months, I've um, been doing a lot of investigative work about um, sexual harassment and assault in Hollywood. And some of those stories have been about, um, you know, the director and producer, Brett Ratner, um, the music executive, Russell Simmons, and then um, actor James Franco. And Mm -hmm. so 
you know, that's been a very different kind of investigative work than um, the stuff I wrote about the book, about The Bachelor in the book. So you also reported on sexual assault allegations against Bachelor in Paradise last summer? Yeah, um, and recently there was a woman who filed a lawsuit. Um, a former producer from The Bachelor filed a lawsuit against the show say, saying that she was a victim of sexual harassment um, in her job because she said, you know, wow. while she was working there, she was a, uh, you know, she came from a very um, Christian background and she was very conservative. Mm-hmm. And um, during the job, she, uh, all of her colleagues realized sort of how, I guess, conservative she was and would ask her really graphic sexual questions about her sex life. They would be talking about their sex lives in very graphic terms. And when she complained to them um, about how uncomfortable this made her, she says that she was fired. So that is um, a case that is still ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she really was in the wrong role, you know, to be on a show (laughs) like this, because anything seems like it goes, unfortunately. You know. Yeah, some people have said that. Then again, you know, she she says she expected to talk about the contestant sex lives, but not, you know, her own. Sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. What else would you like listeners to know about this book? Um, you know, just I think it gives people perspective on reality television and how it works. Um, I, I know for me, I when I was watching, I, I felt like, oh, is any of this real? And I hear that so often, like, this is all fake, right? I mean... Right. That's not necessarily true. You know, I think a lot of conspiracy theorists out there like to think that this is all completely contrived. And while a lot of it does come from the power of suggestion, um, these are things that are actually happening and emotions that are unfolding before us. And so I think um, hopefully I can give people some perspective on what leads people to behave in that way and also just to get people thinking about, like, why we're so desperate to go on shows like this. Um, You know, what are people looking for in that 15 minutes of fame? And is it really worth it? I don't think so. I mean, you're really, <laughs> I don't either. You're, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because you're putting yourself out there and you're setting yourself up to, for complete full-on exposure. And it's very hard, you know, like we said earlier, you know, meet somebody within, you know, a very short amount of time. You're like, I love you. And then you see the next scene, he's making out with somebody else. <laughs> I mean, Crazy. Right. People really under they think it's just like a fun trip, a fun adventure. Um, and maybe they'll get some Instagram followers out of it. But like you're going through a lot of emotional turmoil and your reputation can be seriously impacted. So you bet. I, you know, I, ho- I hope people think about that stuff before they just think it's going to be a fun ride. I find it so interesting when I think back to the dating game and that show and then where we are now, you know, how much has changed? I know so funny like I did research on you know the history of dating shows for this book and what was considered scandalous back then versus now like on Love Connection oh yeah Chuck Woolery wouldn't even say if someone had sex he'd call it a boink date really so <laughs> yeah uh, that's, that's very different than The Bachelor oh my gosh it seems like anything goes so where can people find out more about you Amy they can follow me on Twitter at Amy K in LA, and I will post anything about the book there and, and my articles from the LA Times. And I just want to mention you're a staff writer at the LA Times, and you've covered film and celebrity and pop culture since 2009. Congratulations. This has been a great book. Thank you so much for talking to me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much, Amy. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock.